0: I don't think the question is whether or not we've gotten somebody to get over the line is the only measurement, like, because the Lord is not asking how many you've saved. He's asking, have you been obedient and faithful to me?
1: Thanks for joining us for Exponential Next's first podcast series, Snapshots of Innovation. I am Carrie Williams the Executive Director of Exponential Next, and I am so thankful that you're joining us for our very first series filled with engaging conversations that I believe will inspire you to innovate. I know they have done that for me. In this six-part series, John West, our Next Ventures director, interviews an exclusive group of pioneers, pastors, and ministry leaders who are creatively innovating to make disciples, plant churches, and reach the lost. The 11 ministries featured in this series participated in our most recent Next Ventures annual Shark Tank event. I pray this series will spark creative ideas for your ministry context and provide encouragement for the new ways God is working in North America and beyond.
2: Today, I'm joined by Corey McIlvain, Director of Zero Hour Ministries in Kansas City. Uh, He is one of 11 innovative ministries invited to our recent Shark Tank event in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, Corey, awesome to have you on the call today, man. Thanks for being here.
0: Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Always fun.
2: Yeah, well, I'm really looking forward to our conversation uh, today because... You are deep in the thick of Generation Z, ministering to high schoolers and uh, other students across Kansas City. Uh, So start us off, man, before we dive into your background and kind of everything going on with Zero Hour, uh, give us just a quick 60-second description. What is Zero Hour Ministries? Where do you call home? Maybe a little bit about your family.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I'll start personal and then go zero. Uh, I'm in Kansas City, like you said. Uh, I live technically on the Kansas side, you know, in the KCK, Kansas City, Kansas area. And I got married March 28th of 2020. So if anybody remembers anything in that timeline, uh, it was like days within our our wedding venue completely blowing up. Wow. Um, So we had to like, change everything. So anyways, my wife and I, Celicia we have two kids. Uh, I've got a 2-year-old son and then just a brand new baby girl, uh 4 weeks old. So yeah, I um, am 4 weeks old in man. It's all of...
2: going to collectively pause and pray for you <laughs> right now. So that's awesome.
0: Well, 2-year-old and and they're literally 2 day 2 days and 2 years apart. So like <laughs> it's crazy like ah, but we're in it. We love it. I love it. I love being a dad. I love like, that's the greatest joy of my life and the the most important ministry I'll ever do is right there. So that is like my primary focus. That's where zero hour really is. I'm um, starting there my own family. So yeah. And then shifting into zero hour stuff, uh, Brief description, you know, started about two two and a half years ago, underneath the umbrella of the Kansas City Underground, and the whole vision has been to go. How do we train and equip students, ordinary students in their high schools, to multiply their lives as disciple makers, and see new disciples emerge on high school campuses all over Kansas City. So, yeah, I mean, it's been quite the journey. The Lord has been really good in the two years, and we're still discovering things and trying things and Trying to innovate <laughs> in a lot of ways and trying to just be humble in the places where we're going, okay, lord, we we want to hear from you first and then move and step with you. So
2: yeah, that's awesome. yeah, so zero hour is a little bit unique because you are you're really, your ministry is built around training students to make disciples of their peers, you know in high school. Yeah. And I know you have a huge vision for that. And I just, as I'm reflecting on your strategy, your philosophy of ministry, even this idea of like, hey, we're training students to reach their friends for Jesus. Uh, it feels so different than when I kind of came up. So I, you know, I was a youth pastor for about five years, really in the thick of student ministry. This would be maybe late 90s, early 2000s. So aging myself a little bit, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but back then, man, it was all about like big events get in the bands, you know, the coolest bands at the time. There was this record label called Tooth and Nail back in the day. Oh, yeah. we, would get all, yeah. <laughs> we would get all the bands, the hype, you know. Um, mm. I had this box set I remember at a monthly subscription. I think it was called Interlink. And they would send me the coolest, you know, DVDs and CDs and posters. Nice. And I had the lights, you know, the whole nine yards. And yeah. things are just so radically different now in youth ministry and how to even reach generation z so i would love to hear from you man unpack maybe sort of your background a little bit what some Mm -hmm. formative events were in that and then kind of how that's influenced the philosophy of zero hour and your ministry
0: yeah yeah so i grew up as a pastor's kid um and um uh, man i'm gonna get emotional it's because i
2: yeah
0: yeah i love and i miss my dad yeah and, uh, he passed away this year and he uh he was an innovative leader um an innovative father mm. um, mm-hmm. and um yeah he just had a model of ministry that was so lockstep and and similar to what I'm doing now in terms of multiplying others and empowering and believing and training and equipping, not just the next generation, but anybody willing. Um, and that was clearly formative. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it can't be more formation than your own father instilling those things in your life. And um, yeah, so Part of that, I was an eighth grade student and we took a trip to uh, China at the time. And there was a, a local leader that my dad had known for a long time that was already essentially doing disciple making stuff on the ground and uh, empowering and training, you know, uh, local indigenous leaders there to to multiply in underground, <laughs> literal underground <laughs> ways, um, you know, not like how we term it here in America, um, and we went over to uh, see that, um, see what the Lord was doing and how he was moving in a different part of the world, and uh, really be, be learners and um, listen to how the Lord is um, multiplying things in a rapid way over there. So I'm an eighth grade kid, and we went to go see that, but we played basketball, and we did. We played basketball. So we had, and we were actually, we had a few kids that played D1 college basketball. So it wasn't like we were a joke going over there. Like we were actually pretty good. And um, yeah, so we went around playing teams. We were there about a month and we got to experience and see the Underground House Church movement. And it was just um, powerful, uh, you know, and a lot of it was stories of stories that I'm hearing because some of it was like illegal for us to go to this thing, you know, that kind of deal. And, yeah, I mean, that was my kind of first experience of seeing um, what the church globally looked like. Uh, I'd been in and out of the country a ton as a kid, probably been to Haiti eight or nine times, you know, most of Europe and gotten to see and experience a lot of things uh, and local leaders doing things on a shoestring budget that are multiplying rapidly. And it was just like, you know, I think my, my whole family came back from that trip I was just, my dad was blown away and rocked. He was the senior pastor of a local, uh, you know, more prevailing model church at the time. And um, he just, his whole like model and paradigm was shifted and was just like um, trying to figure out how do we honor the system that is while also forging a new path in a way that uh, allows everybody to play in the game you know and by that just like everybody everybody plays a role and everybody's gifts uh, are utilized and everybody has a voice and everybody is actively pursuing disciple making in their spaces and yeah i mean fast forward a little bit eighth grade kid my whole family's rocked by that my dad is shifting out of heartland as a larger church handing it off to other younger leaders and then it's basically like, how do I just full-time train and equip young leaders to go do this? Well, then he invites me as a senior in high school to do the same thing. And he's like, hey, I, what would it look like for you to essentially, uh, you know, rally peers around you uh, and, and kind of have a spiritual family, a micro church, house church, whatever you want to call it, where you and some others are leading your peers. And what it looks like to be disciples of Jesus, actually trying to make disciples. And he's like, I'm going to do the same thing in my neighborhood. Do you want to do that? <laughs> like, nice. Do I have a choice, Dad? <laughs> the the way he you know he was just powerful and casting vision and empowering. And so I was like, Yeah, I'm in. You know. And I, as a kid, got to see how um, that peer to peer power was on display and the Lord was just super honoring and faithful in that and got to see some really cool multiplication and baptisms happen even as a senior in high school with underclassmen. And it was like, Whoa, I'm to something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, something is happening here. And it's not about me, but like, there is some sense of like, when other students see a student that's really serious in their faith, it's like, Oh, there are people actually about this. You know, it's not just a go to the Wednesday gathering event. And some people, the the passionate ones are just engaging in the worship elements. It's like, no, this was like with my life and I'm inviting you into that journey. And so fast forward one more time, I, you know, I'm in seminary here locally. My dad was running kind of a, uh, it was a three and a half year seminary uh, called MAP based in an apprenticeship model. And it was affiliated and accredited through Fuller Seminary. So I walked through all of that, but in that season, I went to a metal concert <laughs> and <laughs> nice. um, I, I like metal music and this was a, a high school band. I knew the the bass player did nobody else in the band. And I went with a friend and I got into a conversation out in the parking lot. I didn't know that this guy was the lead vocalist of the band that I was going to see, but I got into a conversation with him and it turned spiritual. And um, you know, he, I basically was like, hey, would you ever be interested in reading the Bible? And he was like, um, yeah, but don't invite me to your church or youth group. I was like, why? I didn't. I just want to read the Bible with you. It's <laughs> <Right. laughs> like, all right, I'm willing to do that. So he did. And the whole band. And then it became three to four metal bands. And I was walking with and 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 doing life with these kids, like high school, young adult, college age kids in, in the metal scene and I was literally, I was going on tours with them and they were calling me their metal chap, (laughs) like like, (laughs) partly as a joke, but also like, Um, I was like, like life with you guys, you know? So I'm in the middle of it, but it was like the Lord again, in that season of life showed me, it was like out of the places that I already existed and loved, he was going to open the doors and be faithful as long as I was willing to be obedient when those doors opened. And so Fast forward all the way to now, you know, zero hour, it's like, that is what I'm trying to do is help students understand that they hold and possess the power to really influence peers around them. And and to your point, like, I think one of the major shifts that I see, you know, in the student ministry realm is like that invitation to the Wednesday night is just not as attractive as it once was. Mm. And it's, it's, it's just really hard to compete with the levels of uh, entertainment and amusement that they're getting in every circle and every way. And not to mention the busyness of schedules feels like, you know, I'm 35 and I've been in youth ministry 10 to 12 years. So like it, it feels like even in that span of time, the shift of busyness has only gotten worse you know there there's more things more extracurriculars and every sports team and thing in their school is asking for every ounce of of their time and it's just there's bombardment from every side so uh, yeah
2: yeah it's that's really true and i think i think there was a time or or maybe not even not too long ago where, you know, we, we would try to put like, okay, let's get all the Sony Playstations on the TV. Let's get all the game systems there. Let's do the, you know, chain metal basketball courts. And we had the music and the whole vibe and things. And, and you're right. It feels like anymore uh, there are so many distractions people have with their iPhones and with their friends. And like you said, sports schedules and other schedules, it's just, pulling a bunch of people and trying to attract them through that kind of thing. That is just not the direction things are going. But I can also hear the other side saying, oh yeah, Corey, students would never disciple their peers. I mean, really, you're gonna train train students to make disciples in their schools. Like that can't work. And I hear this mm-hmm. a lot, even with the you know, a lot of the Disciple making movements around the world. Oh, that can't happen here in the United States. It's mm-hmm. just a different context, different culture. So tell me about zero hour. Like and and to kind of put it in air quotes, is it working, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Students yeah. being empowered. Like, are you seeing fruit from it? And maybe just walk us through like, what does zero hour look like today? You know, what schools are you in? What are some of the ministries you're leading? Just walk us through kind of the framework of the mm-hmm. ministry and what you see working.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the the is it working question. Um I think that that that's dependent on what is your measurement and uh you know we may be speaking different measurements here, you know in terms of when somebody is doubting whether or not disciple making works here, you know, cuz I don't think the question is whether or not We've gotten somebody to get over the line is the only measurement like because the Lord is not asking how many you've saved. He's asking, have you been obedient and faithful to me? And um, our role, I believe, as equippers and those that are full time in ministry is to help the rest of everybody be trained and equipped to do it obediently. That mm-hmm. doesn't equate always. You do X, Y and Z and that equals thousands that are across the line like what it equals is that the lord is is after each and every individual's heart who claims to follow him and when we start to see transformation of obedience to becoming not just a disciple who consumes a weekly time frame but a disciple whose entire life is oriented towards following him and having others know and love him in a powerful way that's the win that's the win amen so Yeah. It's, it's not a matter of whether or not. Oh my gosh, it went off! Like the Lord gets to determine those things. We don't. We get to t- determine our obedience and faithfulness to Him in every space and sphere of our lives. Yeah, and we we leave the results up to Him because we say He controls that. <laughs> we don't con- we are not going to convince people into the kingdom in a way. We are going to be faithful, obedient, and when He opens those doors, we step through them. And so. Sometimes that happens culturally in a moment where it's really ripe, and sometimes there's just seasons throughout history where cultures have just been resistant, and it's not going to just, you're not going to break through that with this or that strategy. It's going to be, how do we stay faithful and obedient even when it's a dry season for our our country or our, our communities, right? So I'll just say that part. No. Yeah. No, I mean, and I
2: think that's important to say because when you do hear that question, you know, quote, working, it's like, well, I you know, I could gather probably a thousand students this Friday night if I just offered a bunch of kegs and uh yeah. That's
0: right. Yeah. Some kind of like
2: free pizza and beer night. You know, you could draw a lot of people a lot of different ways, but are they being transformed spiritually? Like that would be, are they, are disciples being made? Are they being taught to obey everything I've commanded them? I mean, that's a different question. So yeah, I appreciate you kind of, you know, enunciating that. I think that's important. So yeah, so tell us then about Zero Hour. What what are you doing and and what's happening?
0: Yeah. So Two and a half years ago, we—I we, mean, part of the original kind of vision that I felt like the Lord was giving me was, "Hey, th- there are there is power to the experiential trip or events. There is power, but it has to be unto something. There has to be a way that you're taking them on the mountaintop and training them of how to live in the valley. <laughs> like that, that has to exist at some capacity. Otherwise, we are just doing specific events for the sake of gathering a crowd and." That's not all bad and wrong. It just is, if that's the only means of how we take them onto the mountaintop, then it can kind of leave them fig- trying to figure out on their own what it looks like in the valleys. And so, uh, you know, because in my time, it'd be like, we'd always have the seniors, the high school seniors on uh, as a panel, right? And just go like, hey, what was your most influential experience that you had during your eight years in student ministry here at X, Y, and Z? And I would say 90 plus percent of them would say my trip to dot, dot, dot Mm. my experience at this camp, dot, dot, dot. Right. Like it was just always some experiential thing. So There was power. And I, I was always sensing that the power came from them being removed from time and culture where their busyness for once actually gets put on pause. And they have a moment where they actually can hear from the Lord in a powerful way. And it's like, literally like cell service doesn't work on top of the mountain here. You know, and It's like, that's the best thing for us right now in a way, you know, where we can, we can hear from the, from the living God who wants to speak to us and you as students can't hear directly from him. So originally it was, Hey, let's just, let's, let's essentially take students on a trip or formative way, experience a camp, whatever, as a way to train them on how to make disciples. Right. So those trips and experiences uh, you know, our first two summers we did going to the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. So we went to an actual mountain um, and trained students, right? And then the first year we trained about nine kids and brought them back with the vision to multiply their lives into their high schools. And our training is essentially four sessions that we've taken from a lot of different movemental practitioners from around the world, particularly some in Kenya, Um, And then the underground has adopted that a lot of that language from Kenyan Indian leaders and contextualized to local U S Kansas city based type of disciple making. And then we took that and we made it more contextualized to students and just went, Hey, you know, seven weeks is probably too long for a student, but four sessions, four training modules in a way is, is helpful to both see who's serious, but also give them enough information that allows them to multiply in a simple way. And, the framework of that is essentially we start with a gospel saturation everybody's called we have a role to play to reach the lost around us at our school so it's like that awakening of you are called and you are sent and jesus is asking all of us to play a role in the body in order to make disciples and multiply that's session one session two go, and, and with every session we have some practical tools that go with them so like that first session we have you know, essentially we call it the blessed five where it's five individuals praying for them five days a week for five minutes and always sitting in that. Hey, set a reminder on your phone that you're going to pray over your blessed five session two, we go into um, <clears throat> relational evangelism. Uh, and I would say this is probably one of the main differentiators for us in terms of how we're training next gen and students is, uh, really, just the question-based uh, evangelism approach, where it's saying, you know, you're investing in relationships, and you're asking questions that get you closer to them, opening up spiritually, and finding those persons of peace that would be open to discovering who Jesus is." Right? Like, yeah. and because a lot of the strategies that I see in, in student ministry tend to be either kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, like that stranger evangelism, where it's just approach. 100 people and give them this gospel illustration or whatever and there are times and seasons where I think that absolutely works Um, or the other side is invite invitational evangelism right where it's invite them to this place so that you can hand the ball off and the youth pastor will do the quarterback touchdown pass right. We're actually saying, no, we want to sit somewhere in the middle of those two. And so the relational evangelism is literally training them how to have conversations and be a good question asker. I had a student at one point stop me and go, is this like a training of how to like be a good friend? I was like, actually, it is. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) That's a phenomenal way of saying it. Which, I
2: mean, let's just be honest, you know. You walk into a room, oftentimes of high school students, and it's like a, a whole room. They're all looking at their phones, right? It's like, do you know how to talk to each other? I, I remember a road trip we had uh one time, and uh, I had a bunch of junior hires, and they all had they all had their phones, and and I said, all right, no more technology. You know, it's like for the next hour, no technology. Put all the phones up front, and they said, well. What are we gonna do? And I said, you know, when I was a kid, we actually did this thing. It's called making friends and talking to each other. So I mean, it's important, right? you gotta you gotta train, you gotta train kids how to how do you build relationships. So so these trainings then essentially, even like like you said, the literal mountaintop experiences, they get trained and then they go into their schools and how do you then track like how many schools are you in? How do, you, how do you then coach up these leaders? How has it evolved, I guess, yes. since 2020?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so the last two sessions we do the training, when somebody's open spiritually, the next session we train them on is just discovery Bible study, which is a question format of how do you learn who Jesus is? Uh, and then our last session, to your point, goes into, hey, you can't do this alone. You absolutely need a team of others in your school because Jesus never sends out his disciples alone. He always sends them out, at least in pairs, right? I would imagine that if there's more than two, (laughs) the more the merrier in a way to go to a town or a city to really see um, who's open spiritually. So we just go, you need teammates on a consistent basis to be an encouragement in your lives and to keep you accountable to live on mission. And so we're really trying to say those teams that exist inside of those schools, we don't want to just recreate another parachurch organization that's doing another gathering of students in a different format around one thing Uh, or having like a speaker come in and share or bringing in Chick-fil-A to bring like we're trying to go. No, this is really like who are almost like the, the Navy SEALs of your high school who want to really multiply their lives into others and find them. So when they finish the training, we say, go find a few other students who are like this, that are like you, that want to see this happen. Then they find them and we say, great, let us sit down with you all, by you Chipotle, and we'll cast you vision of what it looks like to make disciples in your school. We'll see the rest of those students trained. And then we launch a team. That team gathers either weekly or every other week for about 30 minutes before school, during school, whenever they can find a time. We don't formalize as actual clubs on high school campuses just because we want to be lightweight in a way that allows um, them to really run it and lead it. And um, that allows us to just kind of go, we, we actually want to see a bunch of teams at a single high school. You know, it's going to require 10 to 12 teams of five to 10 students to really multiply to see a whole high school reach. So they, when they gather, they fill out a Google form that keeps accountable to mission. So it's asking some simple questions like, have you had any uh, spiritual conversations, invitations to discover uh, who Jesus is? And then how is your discovery Bible study? And then lastly, how are you as an individual actually serving and loving others? And what could you do in the coming weeks as like more of a, I will statement in a way to go out and, and tangibly serve and love others that could lead to spiritual conversations. And then they pray. They pray over their blessed five. They pray over their school. So it's, it's a it's a gathering of accountability and prayer in a way that is like communal and uh, powerful. And sometimes for them, it's like it it, it isn't like the the um, flashy thing. It, it's it's actually the really hard thing yeah. that we tend to all ignore in a way on that missional piece because it's a lot easier to just say let's just gather again and do another Bible study or another just prayer group or something. And those are great. Those are great. But this is a really specific role in saying we are trying to be a team that is on mission together to see new disciples made in our school.
2: So yeah. So so zero hour then is effectively it is a a in many ways a training ministry, a disciple making training ministry. And you're you're training these students to go into schools to start these teams as you call them, but essentially discipleship groups, right? That are holding each other accountable. And yep. infiltrating the the schools with more and more of these teams. And then do you yep. do you ever pull all of the disciple makers together for like a corporate thing? Or is it all yep. state degree like decentralized? How does that work like corporately? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, great question. So right now we're in 12 high schools. So we got 12 different teams. I mean, we've trained over 350 students on disciple making and living it out um and those 12 teams some are really strong some are 2 to 3 uh some are 10 to 15 but it doesn't matter the size actually the 2 to 3s sometimes are the most powerful ones cuz they're really laser focused um so predominantly we're on the Kansas side right now um but if you know Kansas City we it's like it sits on the state line and so there's a lot of you know we see the underground is influential in a pretty large radius of Kansas City at this point some around 30 30 mile radius um and within that there's 88 high schools so we we, right now our centralization portion to gather them back together we call an equipping gathering and that's our once a month kind of hey let's let's just pull back in whoever is like man i I really need some further encouragement or some other parts of community to to help me live this out and these are just it's like a it's it's such a life-giving space for them because they're going whoa there's students all the way across the city, you know, 40 minutes away from me that are also doing this in their school. And I can come together with them and we can share stories of what God has been doing or places that we've actually tried something and failed and be encouraged, you know, by others that are just loving on us. So we gather them once a month on the last Sunday of the month for about an hour and a half. And uh, we did just, Some real simple, you know, like worship type stuff where there's a lot of prayer moments within that where we're trying to continue to saturate, you know, uh, the schools in in prayer. And then we do basically it's like a a short teaching on a tool. How do you, you know, continual like, hey, here's something helpful you should think about. Like I I literally taught two days ago at our equipping gathering on servanthood. Like, what does it look like? What are actual strategic ideas that could give you access to a pocket of people in your high school that would lead to new spiritual conversations? But if you don't do this part, you don't just get to skip over to here. (laughs) You got to do this part. You got to love other people well around you. So, and then they do a kind of break up into small groups of students from all over the city that can't be with somebody from their same school. And they just, they share stories. What's God doing in your life? What's he doing on mission at your school? How can we pray for one another? And then they just tangibly do that. And then we share stories at the end publicly. What's going on. Gotcha. So that's our, yeah, that's our centralized gathering.
2: So essentially this is, I'm just kind of continuing to summarize here for people that are, you know, thinking this direction. Uh, yeah. It is a, Hey, we want to find disciple makers. We want to train them through kind of mm-hmm. a four session experience where they can get away from it all. They can really seek the Lord experience that call and that sentness. They go into their schools They find other like-minded disciple makers, and then they build into others. They form teams. And then monthly, you kind of corporately gather all of those disciple makers and teams and say, hey, we want to continue to pour into you. And what's cool about that is those monthly gatherings then, it's not like, hey, we got the Playstations all along the wall. We got the hype. Yeah, we we got got nothing. (laughs) It's it's hey you guys are on the front lines you own, yes. this is you have ownership of this high school like you are the priesthood of all believers and we are pointing to you to make an impact and one of the things that I see Corey and maybe we'll we'll kind of wrap wrap on this um kind of wrap up with this but there seems to be in Gen Z kind of this growing distinction between like if you're following Jesus you're all in. And if you're not, then you're not. There is not yep. that kind of giant gray area in the middle. And and you you quoted this. I, I read an article you had written for, for Exponential, but you, you said the strategy must shift from putting the spotlight on one youth pastor or leader to training and empowering the next generation to take the power of the gospel to their schools. And I love that and kind of want to end on that. Just give me some final comments on what you see happening among Gen Z, because I see these hot spots that are popping up and just that sense of, man, if we're going to be all in for the gospel, we don't want to mess around with all this other stuff. Let's go at it. Let's go for it. You know, uh, give mm-hmm. us just kind of some final, final thoughts on ministry, uh, these days.
0: Yeah. So to that end, every session we, we, in that our training, we go through great commission and I've I just started as a, Practice to say, "Hey, raise your hand if you know what this passage of scripture is. If you've ever heard it, or tell me what it's called, without telling them the Great Commission. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not joking. You, you know, this isn't like a scientific result here, but like I would say, less than ten percent of them know what it is, have heard it, and know that it's called the Great Commission. Yeah, wow. You know, I don't know the whole country. I'm just telling you of the 350 plus that we've trained that don't know it. So." And I, at at one of the trainings I, I had another student literally say no one's ever told us that we could do this I was like are you serious yeah no one has told you that you have the ability to actually play this out in your school and they're like no I was like oh my gosh like it on one hand what you're saying is exactly right where it's like there is a, actually a deep sadness of like where we're at generationally in terms of those who don't follow Jesus. Like don't claim it, nothing, right?'t don't, and don't even read the Bible. The biblical worldview is at an all-time low. It's like we are living in a post-Christian generation. And it's sad. And there's like, I think that's why we like, you know, as the church in America, we talk about just the sadness of, of that trailing off. On the flip side, I'll say this you know, I think it's actually given us a moment of the greatest clarity we've ever had. When before you're like, you're saying there is the cultural Christianity part. And now it's like, that's pretty hard to find. You'll have some of it, right? You'll still have some students that go because this girl's there, that guy's there at the youth group, you know, like that, that's just going to happen as kids. Right. But you, you absolutely have a pocket of individuals that are just hungry for all of it. And people like, this is why I'm so passionate about it. It's like we we have to train, equip and release them because they're not even being told that they have the power to do this thing. And they do. And I've seen it time and time again where students will think of things on their own. Like we had a student literally sat by another student, figured out her story at the high school, realized she wasn't going to have a senior graduation party and went, Hey, how do we actually, as a team, pull together all of our resources and money and ask our parents to throw this girl a grad party? This is, we didn't say any part of this. We just said, you guys should be disciple makers. heres You should love people well. They thought of that on their own. They threw this girl a grad party and have continued to invest in her life and have been reading the gospel with her over the past six months. Like, Hmm. that's insane to get an adult to do that is insane. So like, a high school student who's just thinking of these things on their own. And the parents are like, oh uh, yeah, duh. Am I going to help pay for that? Yes. Right. So like they are just unbelievable when they are uh, released and given a voice and given the microphone to say, let's do this thing. You can do this. We just want to be the resource behind the scenes that is helping you. And that's why that figurehead leader comment for me is important because it's like, I don't I actually don't want to be the face of anything zero <laughs> hour. Yeah. What I want is for the entirety of all the students that are living this out on the front lines, like you said, to be the ones that are like, they are the ones actively playing in the game. I'm just the I don't even know. I'm the water boy on the sideline of the football team. like <laughs> that's fine. That's I, I want to serve in that way because they are doing the thing, and they just need to be awakened in a way. Uh, you know, and, and be given permission to do so. So and you just see that at Asbury, right? Like Asbury wasn't flashy; it wasn't anything crazy. It was it was repentance and sincerity and and like openness to just go. I'm all in, and that's what they were doing was saying, "We are all in, and we don't want the flashiness. We want him, just him, and we want to pursue our our generation, unlike any other generation has."
2: You used a word that I was thinking about, awaken. Like, what would it look like if we could awaken a generation of people? And many of these students, we all see the stats on Gen Z, the anxiety, the depression, the loneliness, the isolation. But you know what? They hunger for, like, purpose, calling, community. Like, they want to be used by God. And it takes people like you and, like, hopefully hundreds and thousands of others around the country to say, I don't need to be the man. You know, I don't need to be the one. I don't need to be the one that everybody comes to. I want to give my life to mobilizing this generation to go and make disciples. And it's so cool to hear you share these stories because once students are awakened to their purpose and their calling and God begins to do some stuff, it spreads. And I think if anything else, this time together for me, even personally, I'm sure for those listening is to say, what would it look like if you were to mobilize the students in your church, in your community, in your high school to make disciples? Give it a shot. Pull them away. Do some training. Pray. And I know your vision is, how do we saturate every high school in Kansas City? And I pray other cities would kind of take that same vision and run with it. And uh, so you're going to find in the show notes, if you're listening, Uh, You'll see how to connect with Corey with Zero Hour to learn more about what they're doing. And Corey, man, I appreciate the time and uh, all that you're doing, man. We're praying for you. Thank
0: you. Appreciate it, John.
2: All right. Well, hey, my next guest is Olivia Williamson, director of Claim Your Campus, a ministry dedicated to sparking a nationwide student-led prayer movement. And Olivia was also selected as a grant recipient of our 2023 Shark Tank event. So, Olivia, it is great to have you with us.
3: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
2: Yeah, so let's just start by getting a little background. Tell us a little bit about your family, uh, your ministry background, where you call home, all that sort of thing.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I originally grew up in Michigan uh, pretty much my whole life and was a pastor's kid, was around ministry a lot growing up and then went to college, studied ministry as well in Indiana. And then just through being a part of ministry, I actually joined staff um, with Claim Your Campus in 2019 while I was a um, grad student and uh, started traveling and mobilizing prayer across the country and uh, found myself in Kansas City, fell in love with Kansas City, and then fell in love with a man. So then I got married and we moved to Kansas City and we live there now. So that's where I'm at, I'm based here. Um, still a part of the same ministry and just in a different role now. But yeah, that's kind of the journey of how I got here today.
2: Wow. Okay. So you're you're kind of a Midwesterner then, I guess. Indiana, yeah. Michigan, and Kansas. Uh yep. <laughs> uh, and we have talked earlier about your sports allegiances and all that. And you just you love everybody, don't you?
3: <clears throat> yeah, I will say the Chiefs are pretty awesome. I do, I do love joining joining in the chief hype right now. So it's, it's been pretty fun. You know, Taylor Swift's here all the time. It's just oh, nice. craziness around Kansas city. So yeah, I, I would say, yeah, I, I didn't grow up. I mean, the lions, you know, haven't yeah. always been good. They've let us That's down right. for a long time. So I had to root for other teams.
2: So you and you and Taylor Swift pretty tight now you guys hang yeah.
3: out. Yeah. We hang out every Friday. Yeah. It's great. It's great. That's
2: cool. Um, All right. So you're a Chiefs fan. I'm not going to hold that against you. We'll keep this interview going. Uh, I'm a 49ers (laughs) fan, so maybe we'll have a rematch. But all that to say, let's talk about Claim Your Campus a little bit. Give us the elevator pitch to kind of get us started. What is this ministry all about? What exactly is Claim Your Campus?
3: Claim Your Campus is a national prayer movement, and we are calling one million students to be praying for change in every middle and high school in America our heart is for middle and high school students that we would see student-led prayer. So that could look like a prayer group called Claim Your Campus. That could be a club that already exists where students are just encouraged to spend time in prayer and intercession for their school. And so we're calling them, um, training them, and we want to see the movement continue to grow nationwide.
2: Yeah, got you. So you joined us for this uh, Shark Tank event and uh, had you and 10 other ministries come and present, you know, on your passion and what you're leading, what what you're doing. And uh, of all 11 of those ministries, you were selected, you know, as our our champion, our, our grant finalist. And it was interesting to me because this is all about innovation. We're trying to talk through like, hey, what are some of the most innovative ministries in the country? And we were gathering as a team and just saying, isn't it interesting that a ministry dedicated to prayer in local schools rose to the top on innovation, you know? And and as we talked about it, it was like, you know, it's interesting that there's not a lot of ministries out there mobilizing the next generation. There's a lot of Mm ministries for the next generation, but not mobilizing the next generation to actually pray and make disciples and and really empowering them so i just i want to hear you share a little bit about what encourages you about gen z and gen a i guess they're coming up and Mm -hmm. and what's kind of caused you to say i want to give my life to them i want to give my my best to encouraging mobilizing and sending out this next generation of prayer warriors like what encourages you these days
3: yeah first of all super honored um I was so grateful to be in that room and just feel so much support and love for what we're doing because we don't always get that, you know, people think, well, wow, that's really cool what you do, but they don't understand why that's my full-time job and why, like, I do raise money for this ministry and I and I invest so much in it um, because it is a big investment. It's a lot of time and schools aren't the easiest places to reach right now. Um, students aren't the easiest people to reach, especially middle school students, but we have just seen The word that I keep telling people, and this might be a super churchy word, but it's just they're hungry. They are so hungry for more. Um, They want to know truth. They want to know what the Bible is about. They want to know what church and community can actually look like, what real relationship can actually look like. And so whenever I travel and I talk with people all over the country about prayer, there's a lot of intimidation. Yes, there's a lot of fears, maybe but there's just a lack of knowledge generally about what does prayer actually look like in my life. And when I have the chance to meet with middle and high school students and talk to them about that, they are so receptive. They are so open and they are really passionate. This is a very passionate generation. If, if you haven't noticed before, like they get behind a cause, they want a cause to get behind and they want a group to belong to and so introducing them to Jesus, showing that them showing them that they belong to Jesus, they, they belong to the church, they belong to the body is huge. And they're open to it and they're looking for it. And so I've just seen an incredible excitement and passion in them. And when they hear about prayer, when they hear about reaching their schools, it's like you just unlock something and they're like, OK, let's go. What do I do next?
2: Yeah, you know, I was talking earlier with Corey about this and just this idea that You know, Gen Z, it really is kind of you're either all in or you're not. I don't see the cultural Christianity going on with kind of this next generation. And I don't know what part of that is just, you know, socially speaking or whatever. There used to almost be some social benefit to going to church or like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And that was like a, a, a good thing, I guess, in our culture. And how our cultures change to the degree of like if you don't want to follow Jesus, don't follow Jesus. But if you do want to follow Him, there is going to be a little bit of a cost, and you kind of need to be all in. I mean, it's a little more first century if you think about it. Do you see that too? Mm-hmm. Like that dividing line that really feels like it's starting to to grow maybe in this next generation.
3: I think you definitely stand out a lot more if you want to live out your faith. I think it's harder. I've been out of high school for about ten years now. I think it's harder to be a Christian in school than even when I was in high school. Um, it was still a little more acceptable back then when I was walking through the hallways. But now I just hear stories of um, teachers shutting down clubs and schools saying, yeah, like, don't talk about that stuff. That's not allowed here. Like, it's just shut down so quickly. And so I think there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of intimidation about, when man, can I really live this out? Like, Can I actually be a Christian in my school? And those who are serious about it have to take that risk. You know, like, am I going to be like cast aside by people? Am I going to be left out? Am I going to lose friends? What are people going to say about me? Those are real questions that I think students really need to face in school. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that really shows us, you know, if we're real about this faith thing, if we're real about Jesus, if we really believe in him, are we willing to pay that cost?
2: Yeah, definitely. And we're going to get into some awesome stories here in a minute, but I just want to hang on this this thing you brought up on public schools in America. And there's a lot of people that are, you know, man, what's the future of our education system look like? What are, you know, some of these issues that are going on right now in schools? And so getting people praying for schools, is just so important. But from your vantage point as you're sort of at the 30,000 foot level, you've got these chapters all over the country and different claim your campus groups. Uh, What are just some of the biggest prayer points? Like, what are the issues that come up time and time again? You say, oh, man, here's four or five themes that we just need to be praying for, you know, for our schools. What are those?
3: The most common thing I hear is violence, which is crazy that I hear that more than anything. Yes. Fighting. Um, obviously school shootings, heartbreaking to continue hearing those stories. But I hear so many students talk about fighting. It's it's kind of surprising to me. I don't know why, but I hear a lot of students say that, um, how people treat each other. Um, definitely, I hear a lot of even Christian students saying, we need to pray for the believers in my school, because I don't know where they're at. They're pretty quiet. I hear that a lot. Um, and so I, I would say like, you know, in regards to prayer requests, you know, how people are treating each other, how the believers feel empowered and equipped to make a difference in their school, but definitely violence. That's been a huge prayer point this year for sure.
2: Yeah. Wow. And you know, it's funny. That's one of the first things you think about if you're, if you're trying to build a community or a city or trying to do revitalization work, safety and security is so important. And if students in schools don't feel that, and they feel like there's bullying or violence or fighting or all that kind of thing going on like how do you learn how do you grow how do you you know socialize so um well share share a story or two for us of just i don't know the impact this is having having maybe in a, a specific chapter or specific school i'd love to just hear some stories from the front lines of students just rising up praying and the impact it's having
3: Yeah, so I know you're from Indiana, John. I was born in Indiana, so I love this story because it's about a high school in Marion, Indiana. Uh, There were four sophomores that heard about Claim Your Campus and about this call to pray. So they started a weekly prayer group. They met every morning, once a week. um, And they started in their library, and they were asking God for three specific things to change. One was violence and fighting. They saw several fights happen every day. Praying for grades to improve. They were rated an F school in the state of Indiana. And they were praying for bold Christ followers. They were praying that students would feel the courage to share their faith in their school. And so they started praying every week. And um, more people started to catch the vision and join them. And eventually they wanted to move out of the library into the front hallway so people could see what was going on. And a few months go by. And one of the students realized she didn't remember the last time they saw a fight like they couldn't remember. And that used to be like a common thing that happened every day. And so one day the principal actually pulled one of the students aside and asked him, hey, what's going on in this little huddle that you guys have going on every week? Like, what are you guys doing? And the student got to share with him about prayer, about Jesus, what they were doing. And the principal shared that their grades had been skyrocketing, <clears throat> that they were, they were growing in their um, AP test scores and And everything, like they were just improving and they didn't know why. And this student shared why, that they were praying about that specifically. That school at the end of the year was rated an A school in the state of Indiana. And that principal heard about Jesus through this group, was invited to church. He and his whole family were baptized because that student invited him to church. And so that was one of the stories that really opened our eyes to, wow, God changes things when we pray and students are catching that vision. And it's not just the outward things that they're seeing. Like, I mean, we've seen healings in hallways. I know a girl in Ohio, she prayed over her friend who had a heart defect. And the that same afternoon, that girl went to the doctors, had her appointment. They looked at her heart and said, your heart is Fine, we don't know what happened, but she said, Oh, someone prayed for me in my hallway today at school. Like we've seen healing, we've seen people come to know Christ, we've seen gossip stop in schools because students want to change the culture through praying and through living that out in their lives. But I think of one more student, her name is Sydney, and she's from Kansas, and uh, she's at a Catholic high school. And, and felt led to start a prayer group. She heard these stories. She heard the impact. And she said, I got to do this for my school. I want to see awakening in my school. I want to see them come to know Jesus. And so she started praying every week and she was the only one who showed up in her group for three months. And I share that story because to me, that shows she was being faithful to that call. It wasn't just about the answer to prayer or how many were showing up with her. It was about prayer. It was about meeting with Jesus and doing what he asked her to do. And after three months, people eventually started trickling into her group and it, it grew to about 10 to 15 that were regularly showing up to pray. And she got to lead two of her friends to Christ in her school and is now discipling them and walking with them to know Jesus. And so I just hear stories like that and it gets me so excited. And I know it's the testimonies that grow this movement, because the more students that hear these stories, the more students that want to pray. It's just, it's just amazing. They hear that. And they, they ask the question, what would happen in my school if I were to pray? And that's how this movement keeps growing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much, you know, Not we always talk about the power of prayer and prayer changes things and that kind of thing. But but it's like it does. It, sometimes we have to yeah. persevere in prayer. Sometimes we have to be just resilient, like that, that young girl you're talking about, and stay focused. But you know, you 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 hit on two things. You said the fighting, and then kind of that F F rated school, just the education level, which when I think about that, I just think, you know, quality of education or truth or whatever you want to call it. And it's interesting to me, those two things are the big challenges. Because I'm finding these days, it just seems like the enemy is working on two things, division and confusion. Our society is polarized. Our culture is polarized. Social media is polarizing us. We're seeing division happen all over the place that manifests in fighting, that manifests in conflict. So here you got division. And then there's just all of this confusion confusion on you know identity issues confusion on my faith and what i believe confusion about what truth is and where to find yeah. happiness and and clearly that then impacts education and it impacts failing schools and grades like mm-hmm. and those two things you brought up in the testimonies and you shared earlier these are the things we need to be praying for we need to be praying for reconciliation mm-hmm. and peace in our schools and we need to be praying for the truth of God's word and education and other things to to be manifest. So anyway, love what you're doing. And and I love the name, Claim Your Campus, right? There are so many schools in our country. I drive by them every day. You know, people listening, you you drive by these schools every day. And I love this call to action. It's like, claim your campus. So Mm -hmm. as you look at your network of kind of Connections, schools, prayer partners. Tell us just kind of right now, what's the scope of Claim Your Campus? Where are you engaged? How many um, prayer points or chapters do you have? Walk us through kind of the scope of the ministry.
3: Yeah, yeah. So right now we're in 36 different states across the nation. Um, We have about 3,000 students that are engaged with us that are praying regularly in their schools. And so um, we have really grown after COVID to this new group of students. Honestly, after COVID, it felt like it was a whole new group of people to do ministry with. Um, and That's kind like of like
2: every listening. pastor felt the same <laughs> way. I think. I
3: think everyone listening is like, amen, because it just felt so different. And so um, we engage our students through a prayer app. It's called Claim Your Campus. So you can look that up. It's free. Um, But it has daily prayer content that we use to grow the movement to help students know how to lead a prayer group or how to spend time in prayer on their own. And there are video testimonies and encouragements and updates and um, reminders to pray. Even you can set up reminders on the app to remind you to pray. So it's it's a really amazing resource that's really helped us grow after covid from the ground up. So now we're in 36 states um, reaching these students to call them to pray on middle and high schools. Um, And we've been actually growing a lot as well through prayer walks. So I'll just mention like any adults listening to Claim Your Campus is a student-led movement. But we've really felt like there's so many adults praying on the outside that want to be a part of this movement in some way, that want to support, that want to be praying into this movement with us. And so we started something this year called the Prayer Walk Project. And we prayer walked in 30 capital cities in the United States. Um, We had about 500 schools that were prayer walked in a day in September. And so we partnered with See You at the Pole. If you've heard of that, Um, that's the last Wednesday, the fourth Wednesday of September. And so on the weekend after and before, we called people to go out and to pray, um, to prayer walk schools. And that's another way that we've seen incredible growth is now we're involving parents and caring adults and pastors to be praying on the outside while students are praying on the inside. And so we're in a, we're in 30 different states with people regularly prayer walking, they're committing to do that each year, and so we're just seeing amazing growth through that as well.
2: Yeah, so so through all of these different expressions, different states, you know, prayer walks happening, all that kind of thing, and you had mentioned this earlier when we were talking, this app has kind of been a game changer in a way because it's kind of helping organize maybe a lot of the prayer that's happening and a way to communicate to the different, different leaders and, and partners. So just walk me through the process. If I, you know, I've got a local middle school here down the street. And I've, I've got a couple students I know that attend there, and I want that to be one of the campuses, right, in your ministry. So what's my next step? What is the next thing I need to be thinking about to partner in with Claim Your Campus and part of this broader, broader movement?
3: There's three simple steps for any student to get involved. The first step is to download the Claim Your Campus app. The second is to invite a couple friends to join them. And the third step is to show up and pray. So we encourage students to start a weekly prayer group, um, all student led, completely legal, totally fine for a student to lead a prayer group. And so we say make it organic. Just tell some friends about it. Invite them maybe to a hallway, to a cafeteria table, to the gym, to a classroom, wherever you can meet before school or after school. Some even meet during lunchtime. But encourage them to go and to to rally together. Open up the app and it will lead you through that prayer time. The app is an incredible resource. And so I would say to anyone that knows a student, has a student and wants to introduce them to the movement, the Claim Your Campus app is the way to go. It's an amazing resource that's going to encourage them, help them feel like they know what next steps to take, how to Pray in a group of people because sometimes students get together. And like I don't even know what to do. That's why we created the apps that they would feel empowered to do that. So that's the that's the first step, um and then the rest, you know, following is just getting their friends together, showing up weekly.
2: All right, so we're all going to download the app. We're all going to download the Claim Your Campus app. But do tell us, so what are some of the features in on on the app? Is it primarily just like a step one, step two, step three, like some training? Is there any communication that can happen within the app? through different prayer groups or walk us through what are the features on the app?
3: So everyone that signs in um, creates an account under a school. And so if you and your friends get on the app under your school, you kind of have a bulletin board where you can can post where and when you're going to meet for your prayer group. So that's the communication that can happen for students in the school. Every day, there's a daily prayer guide that changes every day. So Monday through Friday, we have fresh content, amazing devotionals that our team prays over and that we write together um, to help them know how to pray according to scripture, according to God's word, how to hear God speak when they pray, but how to pray for their friends and pray for their school. Um, So it's really, it really focuses on intercession, but also how prayer is a conversation with God, you know, so we're teaching them how to pray every day when they use that prayer guide. Um, The rest of the app has um, articles with stories and encouragement updates um we have a map where you can see pins all over the country where students are praying and then we also have video testimonies that's a big part of the app that we we thought was so important we invested a lot in that Um, students can get on there record a quick selfie video share this is what god's doing in my school then they can post it and other students can see those stories and hear the change that's happening as students pray but then they can also post their own story, which is just so encouraging. Like they get to share, but also hear other stories as well. And like I said, that just grows the movement because it's, it's the power of our testimonies. You know, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So it's a really cool part of the app.
2: Yeah. Amen to that for sure. So let's just, uh, let's talk about the future a little bit. Um, I grew up in an era. I remember I, I, Drove all night on a bus to Washington, D.C. We had this thing called the Million, I think it was like the Million Man Prayer March or something like that, prayer walk. And we all gathered for like a whole day of prayer. And honestly, it was a pretty powerful, impacting moment in my life to see that many people praying. And I've often thought, and maybe you've already thought about this, like, wouldn't that be cool if all of these different prayer warriors came together in some collective event? Or wouldn't it be cool if like <clears throat> there were citywide, like hot spots of prayer happening all over the the place or ways to res- resource more people? I don't know. As you think about the future, like what are just some dreams you have, like some things that, that you're believing God for looking forward?
3: Mm-hmm. So every March we do a gathering for our student leaders who are praying. So as you're talking about, I'm just thinking about it. It's called the CYC Gathering. Um, you can learn more, claimyourcampus.com. Um, you'll see more about the event. But our our heart is to gather student leaders every year who want to grow in their leadership, who want to grow in their prayer lives, but also want to know, how can I continue to reach my school, even if it feels hard, even if it feels impossible, if I get pushed back? Like, how do I do this practically in my school? And so we do this conference, a weekend conference every year, first weekend of March. So this year, it's March 1st to the 3rd. 2024 in Grand Rapids, Michigan, very exciting place to be. And uh, that's that's a dream that we've had for years. Like how can, we, how can we really gather students together and pour into them and encourage them? And, and that's just come together. It's been an amazing event. This will be our third time we've done it. And so we just want to see that grow. We'd love to get every state in the room. That's my dream cool. is that we could see students in every single state come together once a year to encourage each other, pray for one another, be poured into. Um, and so if anyone is listening and interested, just go to claimyourcampus.com. You will not regret looking into it or coming out. But that's that's been a huge dream. And I think for us as a ministry, I'll just share what we've been praying about and believing for yeah. is the importance of reaching middle school students. Yeah. And I know everyone listening is going to be like, oh yeah, for sure. Because maybe you know a middle schooler or you remember what it's like to be a middle schooler. It's a very important time, but I've I've been doing youth ministry for eight, nine years. Um, Not a long time, but even in just the time I've been doing youth ministry, there's been such a shift where it feels like when you're ministering to high schoolers, it feels like they're in college. And when you're talking to middle schoolers, it feels like they're in high school, just the questions they're asking in their life and the pressure that's put on their lives. They're still in middle and high school, but it feels like they're being expected to grow up so fast, but then also not. It's this weird tension. And we feel like there is such, this is such a crucial time to reach 12, 13, 14 year olds, to teach them about Jesus, to help them know the truth of the word and to teach them what prayer really looks like. And so we are really leaning into that as a ministry how do we reach a middle school as well? And we think that happens through really good partnership with churches and with families. And so that's why we do the prayer walks where we invite adults to join in because it has to be that partnership to reach those younger students really well.
2: For sure. Yeah, that's awesome to hear that you're you're already gathering. So we'll look for that on the app and completely agree with everything you just said on, on middle school students. It does feel like the issues in middle school are are or high school are now college issues, middle school is high school issues. It does feel that way. And I don't know if that's a social media thing. I don't know if that's just a, you know, um, yeah, I'm not sure what that is, but it's true. And so we're going to be praying for that with you. And I just want to say, you know, to you, uh, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for standing in the gap and being a catalyst for prayer. Uh, I think, a lot of times we talk about prayer and, and we do pray, but we need someone to be a catalyst for more people to pray and more students specifically to pray. So I love what's happening uh, through this ministry. I'd encourage anybody listening, download the app, check out Claim Your Campus, uh, see what Olivia and her team are doing. It's just some really incredible stuff. So we are praying for you, praying for this next year of ministry, excited for where it's going and just believing God, Uh, for incredible things for our country and specifically for our public schools and our students. So thanks so much, Olivia. Yeah,
1: thanks, John. It was an honor to talk with you today. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Exponential Next podcast. For more resources on the future of the church, visit exponential.org backslash next.